podcast is created by Laura Jackson and Jonathan Stevens of Local Jurisdiction Consulting. The episode starts now. Hello. Hey, Jonathan. This is Laura Jackson. This is Jonathan Stevens. Sorry, I cut you off. Let's just um, do that again. Hi, this is Laura Jackson. And Jonathan Stevens. Woohoo. Okay. Um, cool. So today is March 13th, 2020. And we're recording at 11 p.m. Eastern time. But we are also recapping Friday, March 13th, 2020. So we're on top of it. We're not late. <laughs> that was kind of hard, you know, going back a day in the news cycle. Yeah, yeah. Well, it did, did. Every news cycle feels like it's about ten news cycles at the moment. Yeah, it really does. Well, today was um, today was pretty mild, all things considered. So I watched the Trump press conference he gave around, I guess, three thirty p.m. Eastern time. So I had some thoughts, but you know what I did notice. <laughs> Um, CBS, what? CBSN put this, the Dow up this time. <laughs> they had, oh, that's they, interesting. They were tracking it and it was about like halfway through, but clearly people noticed that, as you said, the stock market was uh, being affected literally by his words, literally as he spoke. <laughs> and I thought it was kind of well, funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. It is worth pointing out and should be pointed out that the stock market was going up heavily oh. before he started. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, then maybe that's – so what is DJI? Because that's what they were showing. That's the Dow – this probably stands for Dow Jones Industrial. Okay, so that's the Dow. Yeah, which is still what a lot of people sort of think of as the quote-unquote stock market, and there's there's that's one way of looking at it. I think most people who – if, without getting into the kind of tedious ways that that those things are calculated, the Dow was literally invented by the the publishers Dow Jones um, in like 1890 or something, and was done literally on a note card with a pencil. A smart little cookie. And so it's a pretty simple. It's a pretty simple formula, uh, which is fine. Um, but the uh, S and P 500 is considered more the the it doesn't really matter they standard and poor's 500 index of the 500 largest companies is considered a little bit more of like the broader measure of the proper market but they tend to go up and down together so it doesn't matter a whole lot which one you look at they had the dow up and the dow was up by like 3.5% by the time he finished his speech. As you pointed out, that was already happening before he started speaking. He should have started talking right. whenever he was supposed to at 3 p.m. and he could have taken credit for this. He probably still will. Yeah, well, I'm sure he, he will anyway. Oh. The, the, the market all went up almost 10%, which is a staggering amount. Um, well, Jonathan, I, just talking about him taking credit... He did say that Europe, we closed that border a while ago. It's like, dude, wasn't that literally like two days ago? 
yeah, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about there. Today was the day that they cut off flights. That's a while ago, apparently. It's in, you know. Yeah. Um, well, and he was sort of conflating the travel from China and the travel from Europe, all these different things. You know, I, I, I think I would advise people to kind of take a wait and see attitude when it, it's nice for the stock market to go up, but um, all these sorts of things, stock markets, various headlines, there's just going to be a lot of crazy news every day. And um, you got to look at the whole total picture, uh, good and bad, yeah. to, to have some idea of what's going on and not get overly hung up on the swings one way or another each day. At least we're in a state of a national emergency, finally. We are. We've got a national emergency. We've got a statewide emergency here in Virginia and in many states. I Talk about your local have, government. Yeah, we, that's true. we have a local emergency here in Charlottesville. Um, I have it from some confidential sources that there are a growing number of likely cases uh, of COVID-19 in the hospitals here in Charlottesville. I, it may be that in some cases the tests haven't come back yet because there's no local testing center here. So they have to be, they may even have to still be sent to Atlanta from here. But there are, it's, it's interesting because it's being kept pretty hush hush. I haven't really seen reports in the local media, you know, admitting that there are cases here. And I've sworn to secrecy as to my sources, uh, which makes me think that even at the local level, there's arguably some level of attempt to, you know, I don't want to say hide it, but it's hard to say it any other yeah, way. Yeah, I wonder if it's because there's not the resources for, I guess, the pandemic, if it is here. But and and I guess people don't want to cause a panic. But it's like if it's here and we're not testing and we don't know, that will also cause a panic. And eventually, and I know there's a slight it, delay. Eventually, people get to someone where they get sick and possibly. Yeah. sick and possibly fatally ill. Well, the these cases are the reason I've heard about these cases is these this is I was given to understand these people are in the hospital. Jeez. They may have already been in the hospital and caught COVID there. It's you know, it's not clear. But the the point is these are these are very sick people. Wow. It's been reported to me. And so I um you know, and, and I've, I've heard, I think, well, we've both heard rumors of people at, at, at this point at both hospitals in our area. But, yeah, it's a little disturbing if the trend that we've seen sort of mocked and, and de- rightfully mocked and derided and called out as, as really unsafe in other places is now being repeated at the local level where somehow – People think that if they aren't honest and don't disclose what's happening, that it'll somehow make things better because the notion is that the most important thing here is to prevent panic for what, three days? And then people have even less trust in local authorities. So, I've already, yeah, I've already encountered one person who is making decisions that I find concerning. Because this person really doesn't want to have a positive test. The person is a little sick. They're not horribly sick. They're not in a demographic group that's particularly at risk of severe illness. And it seems pretty clear to me that the reason they are so opposed to being tested is because they know that if they test positive, there'll be all kinds of unpleasant restrictions placed on. And so I wonder if that's going on, too, if people don't want to be tested. Yeah, well... 
I have like a couple questions just for you. But one of them gets back to that where say people aren't getting tested, which guess what? They're not like like the president. Well, exactly. Oh, and by the way, in his speech, he also said, don't get tested unless you're showing symptoms. So, for instance, if I hang out with my friend who was in an airport, you know, unless I'm showing symptoms, the president doesn't want me to get tested. Whereas, you know, we should all be taking tests galore. In theory, if they had a test for literally every person in the country and everybody who could be encouraged to get one got one, we would know exactly who has it. We could quarantine all those people. All Most one. of them wouldn't be very sick. So this was my second question. Yeah. So could one infected with the virus quarantine and contract the virus again? Or say um, someone was never tested and never quarantined and went out of their system and they got it and say they had it mildly, but then they're in the community. Say like, you know how you're saying in apartment buildings, it could go through the drains. Could someone, that that's my question. Could someone get it again? So that's a big question that's been asked a lot. There doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence that that can happen. However, if it did, would uh, that make possibly the virus well, more fatal? Possibly. That was that was kicked around earlier. There doesn't seem to be a lot of evidence of that. What there is evidence of is that sometimes people seem to be better, but they really aren't. And or the virus has damaged their heart or lungs so much that even though the pneumonia has stopped, they still suffer a bad consequence, even death. Uh, sometimes even after they're released from the hospital. They saw that in China some. The other thing we know is that people, after their symptoms go away and they start to feel better, some people still have the virus in their system and could still be contagious for some time. So that's what's so challenging about this illness. Unlike SARS, unlike many other illnesses, um, even caused by other coronaviruses, that you can be infectious without feeling sick without looking sick without anybody having any idea including yourself that's what makes it so so difficult to stop it takes a long time you you get infected with the virus you don't feel bad for 5 10 even 14 days then you very gradually get sick and most people then gradually get better without ever getting very sick but some people get sicker and sicker and sicker so by the time you realize you're quite ill it may have been 3 weeks since you started being infectious to others that's a long time. Yeah. yeah and um, Trump kept saying 14 days, 14 days, 14 days, like, you know, in his speech where it's like, OK, we're not going to allow anyone who's. The 14 days number does come from the scientists and that is if somebody comes and they're not showing any symptoms and they go into isolation, say, even just at their own home, whatever, and they don't contact any other outside people for 14 days. And at the end of 14 days, they still have no symptoms, then they should be good to go. But however, just because when you're inside that 14 day range, you could still be infectious and not have any symptoms. Yeah. Wow. So. Oh, all schools in Virginia are closed and some other states are going. I'd say maybe a third of all states now are doing that. And it, it does seem tilted in general towards Democratic controlled states. In fact, I can't think of a single Republican-controlled state very good point. that has, well, Maryland. Maryland has a heavily Democratic legislature, and they have a, a sort of mavericky 
they have a Republican yeah. governor who's a bit mavericky. He's not very Trumpy as they go these days. And there's a tradition in Maryland's a very democratic state, but they, but they have kind of like Massachusetts. They have tradition of sometimes not infrequently electing Republican governors and a Maryland Republican, like a Massachusetts Republican is not the same thing as you might find in some other areas of the country. No, just like uh, a Southern Democrat and the, it, is a little different than some people's version of Democrats. Right. Can be, can be. There are certainly Maryland Republicans who are, no different from Alabama Republicans, but the ones who get elected governor usually have to put on a more moderate and independent kind of face. Anyway, the governor of Maryland has declared emergency, and I think they've closed schools there. I'd have to double check that. D.C. schools are closed. Virginia schools are closed. Um, and there's it's interesting. So the which all leads us back to politics, which is kind of the point of this. And in his little press conference, Trump was both in ways subtle and unsubtle, trying to make it sound like all the delays and incompetence were somehow the result of, quote, very old rules. Yeah, I heard that. You know, implying it's ridiculous. You know, even if, first of all, and he was asked about dismantling the position in the National Security Council for pandemic preparedness and you were you were talking about that how he said what did he say you know i he basically said i don't know anything he about said, that but he said i had no responsibility said, i don't take responsibility for that and that is yeah. really gonna be the democratic 2020 presidential nominees freaking slogan it's part of it yeah. and he's saying he doesn't know why a a senior sub cabinet official not just the person, but the position yeah. was eliminated. Well, Jonathan, and also just that soundbite, I think Democrats could use that over and over and over again. I want Bloomberg and Steyer, Steyer to run his climate change ads and say, I don't take responsibility for that. Get Black Lives Matter. You know, some of these injustices of police brutality have him say, I don't take responsibility for that. The Kurds have him say, I don't take responsibility you know, we got to freaking let people know what he said. And I mean, it's all it's all coming back to coronavirus. And I know that's what the question was about. And, you know, but it, he's letting us down. And if he's letting us down with this, let's also demonstrate what else he's letting us down. in. Yeah, it's interesting. And so, I, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time watching Fox News, but I saw a few snippets and read a few articles. And it seems like after weeks of calling it a hoax and dismissing it they're now being forced to, to turn about face a little bit and they have to admit it's it's a huge natural disaster so that they can portray trump as boldly dealing with it but now they're peddling conspiracy theories about how it was a north korean biological weapon or how the democrats are politicizing it and all this sort of thing i mean they just as a human being and as american it is deeply disturbing to see a president of either party and then all these sort of associated propaganda outlets treating a terrifying natural disaster that threatens, as a friend of mine quite rightly and accurately put it, if we don't get this thing much better under control very quickly, by the middle to late part of April, it's going to be like September 11th happening, happening every single exactly. day. In terms and, of the number of people. And just something something I was joking with you and my dad about earlier was 
um, we were talking about Boris Johnson, but basically we were saying, man, Parliament has such close quarters. I was joking that they should be doing Parliament in soccer stadiums that are closed down. Congress should be doing that. Not not just that, but we also need to be thinking about how to repurpose our structures, our hotels. You know, what can we be doing for when this thing actually hits the fan even worse than it is now whenever it's at the capacity that we can't handle i think we need the army engineers in here freaking putting up tents and we need beds built in yeah i mean in 1918 they they turned gyms and rec centers and armories basically any large building into emergency influenza hospitals now ventilators didn't even exist then if you were extremely lucky, you might get access to oxygen. And the, basically, you got an IV and some aspirin and uh, some nursing care uh, and maybe some basic rudimentary medicines for your, 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 to, it gave you a little bit of help breathing. I and mean, that was all they could really do in 1918 uh, was to keep you hydrated and look after you and hope that you're, and, give you some anti-fever medicines and hope that your immune system could eventually yeah. win the war. So in, in that sense, you know, we have, the, there's one problem is a problem of having the hospital beds in the room. The other problem is having enough ventilators and things like that for really sick people. And the number of yes, invasive research that right now, Boeing, like, you know, they're not doing anything right now. Let's get them repurpose these are the conversations we need to be having that's why we still need congress to operate and i would love to see them on a big screen like you know let's have the speaker of the house nancy like in the end zone and we'll just get every person asking their questions and they'll get time on the big screen oh my gosh that would be so awesome to watch congress like football and have nancy pelosi be like the referee yeah, and she's, you know, I, I want to give Nancy Pelosi props. Uh, she's basically forced Trump and McConnell, it would appear, to agree to her deal for a relief package. Now, it's not the end all and be all, but at least it's something. Whereas Trump's great achievement was getting a bunch of CEOs to agree to let parts of their parking lots of Walmarts and CVSs and targets to be used for drive-through testing centers. Now, that that's good. I'm happy they're doing it. It's a positive step. It's also something that should have literally been done yeah. six weeks ago. And he's um, literally just now today. And it's not. We're activating hospitals, and it's like okay, that's a little late. And he kept saying he, they were doing early designation. I don't think they were. In defense of the hospitals, a lot of hospitals, at least the few that I have some knowledge of, they, a lot of them were taking actions no, on I their own. Trump but the complaint that I'm no, I yes, clear. I was not. Yes, no, I yeah. just want to be clear. A lot of these hospitals were getting no help from the government, and they just decided to do what they could on their own. They weren't sitting on their thumbs. But that's right, and they're not. In fact, I was reading news reports in the Washington Post and a couple other places today where doctors in, in parts of the country that are already getting hard hit are complaining that there is no evidence of federal help wow. of any kind. 
Oh, and oh um, oh, just to bend it back to the politics angle, I think there are a lot of interesting things we have to see unfold. One is what are Congress themselves going to do? They are older people who are vulnerable. They shake tons of hands and meet tons of people. Uh, a good handful of them famously are already quarantined. Some will soon test positive, n- no doubt. Some will get sick. Frankly, the statistics suggest that a handful of them will probably die of it if we don't greatly limit the spread. And so they must be scared. They're human beings. Nancy Pelosi, who herself is solidly in the risk group by age, said that they're the captain. We, meaning Congress, we are the captains of the ship. And so Thank we leave you. last. See, that's why I agree, Nancy. She's so baller. Yeah, so it's interesting. It's 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 and then there's other angles. For example, Louisiana has now delayed their democratic primary. So smart because people shouldn't have to choose between their physical safety and voting. But That's true. But on. but oh it just shows and Oh my god, what place is next? Florida? Florida is continuing their primary. Florida's um I don't think Florida next. I think it's after next. But I could, but maybe it's next. I'd have to look. It's coming right up. Florida, Florida's the weather still called on for now. So maybe, yeah, maybe it's next. I can't, yeah, I can't. I'm trying to remember what's next. It's definitely soon. It may be Florida's next. So I know there's Florida and Arizona and, oh, geez. I, I know which one's coming the next three or four weeks, but I can't, I can't quite remember which order they all come. I think Georgia's in a few weeks. It's not the so, next one. So, just just as a quick interruption, you're right. Florida's next week, and Arizona's right. I remembered that one. I'd forgotten. I knew there were more. Illinois and Ohio. So that's that's three big states and one medium-sized state. Oh. That's next week. There's actually a primary cool. tomorrow. Wow. Strictly speaking, it's a caucus. It's a caucus oh. The Northern Mariana They're Islands. Six feet away that is the United States territory. I ain't happy about that. I don't think the Mariana Islands might actually still be COVID free. That That's that is true. thinkable. I'm gonna put, I'm gonna put my money on Bernie on that one, but who knows? It probably is like four delegates. Cool. So um, and then and then March twenty fourth is Georgia. So yes, so that Florida, Illinois, Ohio, and Arizona are the seventeenth. And then there's some little tiny ones, and then Georgia, and then nothing after that until April. Thank you, Jonathan, for that political update. The thing that this virus, virus reminded me really of me was of, the, Australian the Australian wildfires. wildfires. Where those koalas don't all die by fire. A lot of them die by starvation. It's because koalas eat eucalyptus leaves. And when that supply is scorched and there's a shortage, the remaining koalas go hungry. We are the koalas. The virus is the wildfire. And we are left economically starving, which is, I think, why, you know, of course, they are putting the stock market up, money back into the market. We are the koalas. The virus is the wildfire. And we are left economically starving. Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. I think that the the physical danger certainly shouldn't be discounted. and, And people need to pay attention to that. But it's also the case that it's not just about the stock market or some kind of headline or one cruise ship company going bankrupt. We're staring down 
between two and six months of a lot of people not doing the stuff they normally do. And the stuff we normally do every day when we go to work and when we buy coffee at Starbucks at night with our friends and go to a concert or an art museum or even go to a state park or, or something and pay a fee and buy some things, that's the economy. So when we're sitting home eating food and taking medicine and maybe telecommuting or teleschooling or something, we're doing some of those things, but we're doing a whole lot less than we normally do. And one of the big banks, JP Morgan, Chase, estimated that the economy is going to shrink 2% this quarter and 3% next quarter. Maybe I have it backwards, but anyway, that yeah. would be significant. Either way, that uh, doesn't sound good, whatever order it comes in. The, the entire shrinkage, basically that would make it similar to what we saw during the Great Recession of 12 years ago. And I recall that at the bottom of that curve was the only time in my years in this city walking down Charlottesville's illustrious downtown mall, which is a very desirable location for business to be about every third or fourth storefront was vacant with a soaped up window. It was, a, it was about six to nine months there before the stimulus package the president got through, President Obama got through, and some other things started to kick in and make before things a little better. Before the eucalyptus leaves got back to the koalas? Yeah. Not many eucalyptus leaves for the koalas to eat there for a while. Now, the good news is once we get through this, there isn't any reason people can't pick up their lives again but if your business has gone under if the cruise line or the airline you used to work for doesn't exist anymore it's going to take a while to put new things together and get everything rolling again and so yeah we're going to be in an in an empty forest probably for the rest of the year thanks gang please check out local jurisdiction consulting on apple podcast and spotify also our website, localjurisdictionconsulting.com. Thanks so much. Before you go, I just wanted to plug our new podcast featuring the boys, Jonathan, Jonah, and Brian, called America's Playcast. That is now up, and we will be getting episodes up shortly.